What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalechi back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are good. I hope y'all are safe. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to be doing during this time period. But we're back with the show. We're back with another episode. And we got a lot of things. Well, maybe not a lot. We got a few things to talk about. First of all, we want to talk about the opening up America again. Why it's called opening up America again and why the again is there. I don't really know, but that's what they're calling it. We'll talk about if it is time for us to be going back to work. It is time for us to be back in the office. It is time for us to just be living life as we used to before coronavirus. Is it the right move that we should be making right now? We'll talk about that a little bit. And then from there, we'll also talk about some of the other effects of us moving into this. So we'll talk about some of the some of the things that are pushing us to do this move or some of the things that are pushing us to move into that move. And then from there, we'll talk about unemployment with because that just continues to just climb up as of the as of last week, which today we're probably going to or as you're listening to this, we're probably going to get a new numbers by the end of the day today, which is going to be unemployment is probably going to be higher than 20, probably close to about 30, 30 million people probably unemployed. And that's another driving factor. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And we'll talk about how that is going to just keep affecting other things. But but we'll, we'll, we'll dive into all of these things. We'll talk about the fact that small businesses, the loans for small businesses ran out. And so there was no more money for small businesses. And we'll get into that. We'll jump into that. And then there's some other fun stuff like Travis Scott doing a world, a world tour, which is pretty interesting. But to start off this entire thing with, we're just going to start off with the fact that Trump, as always, you know, he always, you know, he says one thing and then he reflects on it five minutes later and says something else. But previously, I think a couple of weeks ago, he had said that he is going to call the shots of when the entire United States of America is going to open up, except he forgot that the United States of America is a democratic republic and it's the United States of America. In other words, the states kind of carry more power than the federal government when it comes to some of these things. He must have just forgot. He must have just forgot that the president does, doesn't just have like absolute power and absolute authority. As, the, as CNN puts it, CNN says that Donald Trump unveiled new guidelines on Thursday meant to help states loosen their social distancing restrictions, but in a retreat from his one-time claim of absolute authority to restart the economy, he told governors on an afternoon telephone call that it was their decision on when and how to reopen. And this is in quotes. You are going to call your own shots, Trump said, according to a, a person familiar with the conversation. I've gotten to know almost all of you, most of you I've known and some very well. You are all very cap- capable people, I think in all cases, very capable people, and you're going to call your shots. It was a turnaround from his Monday claim that the president of the United States calls the shots in how to ease restrictions that have kept most Americans indoor and forced closures of schools, restaurants, gyms, and other businesses. Basically, it's just like, as always, Trump says one thing, and then a couple of days later, he comes out and he says something about something else. Basically, we all we've gotten used to it at this point. It just depends on what side of the bed he wakes up on that day. The dude's gonna fire off some tweets. You know, he's our president in tweets. He's gonna say something ridiculous. We at this point, we should all be used to it by now. But the key thing is, 
Is it time for us to start going to work? Is it time for us to start going back to living life as we used to, going back and opening up the entire states? After he made this announcement, as of this week, three states have already announced that they are trying to open things back up. You have Georgia, South Carolina, and and Tennessee who have announced that they're going to start slowly opening things back up. And so what exactly does it take in other for us to open things back up? There are three parts of it in other for us to go into this opening up America again. I don't know. What is Trump's thing with the whole again thing? Like make America great again. Opening up America again. Were we ever closed before? I don't know. Y'all tell me. I don't know if America was ever closed before. I don't know if, if we're opening up now, but it just, you know, y- y'all tell me. The, the 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 likelihood of the facts of before we can even open back up but anyway so here are some of the phases of how he is proposing that we open back up so phase one of the approach will be all vulnerable individuals should continue to shelter in place in other words if you're an elderly individual or if you're a somebody who can easily contract the virus or anything like that, stay home, minimize your exposure, that kind of thing. And then now it specifies some of the specific workplaces that can be allowed to go back to work. So for example, a limited group of businesses like restaurants, movie theaters will be allowed to remain open while schools remain closed and vulnerable people are supposed to stay at home. So for example, uh, you know, all your movie theaters that we go to, those can start opening back up in phase one of the reopening. So, for example, large venues, sitting down, dining, movie theaters, sporting venues, places of worship can operate under strict physical distancing protocols. In other words, even though we may be able to go to these places, you still have to distance yourself. The only thing is like, so it also puts on here that gyms can open if they adhere to strict physical distancing and sanitation protocols. The problem is, uh, it's a gym. I don't know if y'all been to a gym, but people be sharing benches. I mean, the gym is like the ultimate place that you can go to and viruses can easily spread because you got one person coming on the gym and wiping down the surface, doing his exercise. It doesn't necessarily wipe it down that well. The next person doesn't even wipe down. They just get on there with their sweat and everything. And the gym can be, the gym can be like the ultimate Petri dish. So I don't, I don't, I don't really see why we're opening up the gym that early and that fast. But nevertheless, they, they're the experts. They know something that I don't know. But then moving on to phase two, again, if you're vulnerable to the thing, continue to shelter in space, in place, and then schools now can be reopened. So some schools can start being open, organized youth activities, daycares, and those type of things can be reopened. But I don't think parents are going to be taking any of their kids to daycare anytime soon because a lot of parents get sick, not because they get sick, but because their kids get sick, because other kids get sick, and then they transfer it to other people and all that stuff. And then part of this is now bars may begin to open diminishing standing room occupancy where applicable and appropriate. I don't know if y'all been to a bar, but a bar ain't somewhere that I'm trying to go to when this whole corona thing still in the air and then the final phase is now some vulnerable individuals this is where we actually just completely open all the way up this is phase three where everything just goes back to normal basically you're, you don't have to hide anymore you ain't got to lock yourself in your room you can start going back out and everybody can just do what we used to do and we still however in phase three have to keep practicing social distancing at that point in time 
So these are the three phases that the United States government is implementing as far as protocols for us to be able to reopen back up again it's not just the u.s that is starting to reopen back its borders or is starting to open back and and remove some of the restrictions uh, that was put in place because of social distancing and some of those things i mean germany is also slowly starting to open back up france is slowly starting to open back up i believe the uk as well is also slowly starting to open back up so a lot of countries are slowly as the the curve is flattening as we keep getting less and less uh people being announced that they're falling sick and more pe less people dying from this thing a lot of places are starting to open back up the only problem is when speaking to a lot of officials the main question that health officials have is are we going to be testing enough to be able to open back up because the criteria is if we can test everyone and if we can do what South Korea did, where they just did a mass testing of the general public everywhere, then you can get an understanding of what's actually going on, what pockets of people actually may be exposed to this thing. And then you can start like being like, okay, we can keep being open and we can keep selling goods. We can keep offering services. We can keep just living life as normal. However, the problem is as of right now, the United States has tested about 3.5 million people. That is 3.5 million people total. And experts are saying that this should be millions per week, that we should be testing 3 million people per week to get to the point where we can have an, a better diagram to know where people are actually contaminated or people that can actually, or if the virus is contained or not. And the problem is we're not anywhere close to that number. We're nowhere close to that number. And so the question that follows up is, will we see another spike due to us opening up too soon because we are not testing enough we don't have enough people to know if somebody is contagious and just is uh what's the word that everybody keeps using when you're contagious but you don't know you're contagious because asymptomatic is it asymptomatic i feel like asymptomatic is like the strong version of just like not showing symptoms but anyway Basically, you don't show any symptoms, and so we're not able. People are not able to tell if you're sick or not, and so without more tests being done, that continues to be a problem. And even till this day, people who need the test still can't get access to the test. So it's a problem. It's a problem, and this is the questions that health officials are having: that hey, are we jumping the gun too soon? Are we acting too soon? And one of the things that a lot of people are referring to is the fact that in Japan. There's a second wave of COVID-19 that just hit Japan. So Japan was, everything looked fine. Everything looked like it was good. And they jumped the, jumped the gun a little bit in Northern Japan and opened everything back up. And the problem was immediately they did that. They had to go back into a state of emergency because they had to shut down all over again. Because all of a sudden, which if I was reading this on my phone, I'll be able to show you guys the part of the article. But because I'm reading it on a website, they want me to sign up for this. I ain't signed up for your, for your for your subscription. But anyway, the thing was in Japan, they had, they thought they had everything under control. However, there was a second spike after three weeks after they thought everything was fine, they were good, everything is going well. They opened everything back up, and then all of a sudden there was a spike in cases all over again, and they had to shut everything back down. So that's the problem. That's the thing that a lot of health officials are like, hey, maybe we don't want to play jump the gun too soon. Maybe we don't want to do this thing too early on in the game and cause other problems for ourselves even more so in singapore which everyone has been praising singapore just to read an excerpt of this article it says 
A little over a month ago, the prosperous city-state won praise as a model of how to control the spread of virus without lockdowns. Mass testing, quick hospitalization of those infected, aggressive tracing, and quarantining of those in contact with infected people helped keep numbers down. However, last week, authorities announced that they would put all dormitories housing foreign workers, some 300,000 people, mostly from Bangladesh, China, and India, under near total lockdown. In the days that followed, Singapore reported 728 new cases. Almost all of them were migrant workers. So the point is, all of a sudden, Singapore, which were recording like the lowest amount of people to ever to be infected with COVID-19, they, they had done a great job with the way that they shut down everything. They were testing everyone. They were handling the situation very, very, very well. However, now all of a sudden they're like, hold on a second. How are we starting to see new cases? How are these new cases all of a sudden coming back up? I thought we had this thing under control. And so, so it's the same thing that people are asking that question for in the United States, in France, in Germany, in the UK, in everywhere that is slowly starting to open back up is, are we jumping the gun? Are we doing this thing too early? Should we wait a little bit longer? But here's the thing. The problem is, the problem is we can't stay locked in forever. So I also have the question of, are we jumping this gun a little bit too soon? So I'm trying to play both sides to be honest i'm trying to bring both cases out to, to let y'all know like the issues of some of the things that we have to question and we have to do and first of all the way you get things done is not by you all of a sudden protesting and going out here and doing this 2500 did you see i don't know if y'all saw this but in washington over 2500 people gathered to protest the fact that they don't want to stay at home anymore and they defied the 50 or more people gathering uh, uh, ban on gatherings and that kind of thing. And the, even to make it worse is most of them weren't even wearing face masks. Now, my pessimistic and hateful self, I was like, well, this will give us a very good idea if we have the virus contained or not. These 2,500 people that went out there to protest us staying at home, they are the perfect case study for us to see if this virus is contained or if it's going to spread. So I don't know, maybe that's mean, maybe that's evil, but they made the decision to go out there and protest this whole thing for whatever reason, because they just wanted to protest and but you know, whatever. So I'm just saying like, let's see what happens with those 2,500 people. If they cause things to spread out, I mean, I feel sorry for the kids and all that stuff that's involved, but like for the parents and all of them, like let's, they're like the perfect case studies to see if we have it contained, if we have this whole virus contained or if we don't. They just, I mean, they just volunteered themselves to be the ultimate case study for us to figure out where we actually are. But anyway, that's just something that happened. But the main thing is, what what I want to bring to the point is, do can we even open back up to the point of just thinking about we can't stay locked in forever. At some point, we have to start making moves to open back up. And so I wanted to read this excerpt of something I read about the the movie theaters about, you know, at least in Georgia. It says that most movie theaters in Georgia won't reopen next week, despite governor's plans to reopen them. And in the excerpt, it says movie theaters circuits believe that it uh believe that it's it's reopening won't just be like flicking a switch amc theaters regal cinemas cinemas cinemac and other chains have furloughed or laid off almost all employees and locations around the u.s and have been entirely shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic 
it will take longer than a week, insiders say, to rehire staff and then train them in proper safety procedures. And so I think this is part of the reasoning why we're seeing some of those moves being made now. Because I don't think when we reopen, everything is just going to go back to normal like that. I think part of the reason why they're making the announcement on this front end in April is so that businesses and so that different businesses and business, different customers and different people can begin to plan for when, plan ahead for when they can actually be opened back up. The problem is, which that's a good thing, but the problem is, it's always for the government, they have to play to the lowest common denominator. So in other words, they have to play to the lowest common denominator of people who won't take things properly. I mean, for example, take all the 2,500 people that just went out to protest and don't listen to official orders. And so by opening things back up, you give room, too much room for people to start doing stupid stuff again. Even when the, the, when we closed down the first time around, we had people who were still going out to beach parties, people who were hosting coronavirus parties and all this other stuff. And so by opening up this soon, I don't know if we're also biting ourselves in the butt by doing this because I understand like we got to do it step by step. We got to take things step by step. We can't just jump the gun immediately because things are not just going to go back to normal immediately. It's going to take some time for things to amp up and get back to where we need to be. But the problem is if we do it this way, is there an opportunity for more people to get sick? And that's the balance. That's the tough balance that we have to play in this day and age and play through this whole coronavirus situation that the government has to decide on are we opening up too soon or do we need to announce this now so that businesses can start looking to hire people back and start looking to bring that back their 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 employees so they can prepare them for what's about to happen when things start to open back up as they ramp things back up so that's one of the reasons of why we are why they're starting to do this the other reason is simply bruh the government is just like we can't keep paying this money we can't keep paying for everybody to be at home like this which first of all they ain't even pay like that much i mean let's be honest twelve hundred dollars for a lot of people doesn't really go that far thank god that out for some for a lot of people that i know they still were able to have their jobs in this time and period but twelve hundred dollars basically all that does is cover your bills if you were able to get unemployment then that will help you a little bit more to be able to cover more expenses but like that one check of twelve hundred dollars really was not it you know but at the same time that on that that stimulus package this stimulus package that cost two trillion dollars is almost half of what the government spent all of last year all of last year which um, at the same time i'm like mm, that's their problem because at the end of the day they'd be collecting a lot of taxes from us anyway they'd be taking a lot of money out of our paychecks so where's that money going anyway but then i again on the other side i'm also like well, there's a lot of things that we are paying for on a regular, a lot of the in in infrastructure that we have in the United States, all of that kind of stuff. So it's like, mm, it's, it's, it's like both sides have an argument, of course, with most of these things, there's an argument, but the point is the government is just like, yo, we can't, we can't keep paying for this stuff because it gets super expensive paying for people to be home. I mean, there was even another option that was thrown out there where there was like, yo, we should just keep paying people about $2,000 a month and also canceled rent and mortgage payments for the next, I think it was like for the next six months or something like that, which I'm down for that. Let's just, I'm down for that because as we said, about over 
20 plus million people have already lost their jobs. So how are they going to be able to pay for their rent? How are they going to be able to pay for mortgages? How are they going to be able to pay for all these things? They just can't because it's not like it's their fault that they lost their jobs. They lost their jobs because the government advised businesses to shut down, which was good. It made sense to shut down. However, they didn't really do anything to help those people to make some of these payments. So that's just that's just an aside. But this is one of the reasons why the government might be looking to open back up. It's just like, yo, they're just saying we can't we can't keep printing money because people can say, oh, they got the money. The government has the money. They can do whatever they want. Yes. But at some point, you and I have to pay for it. I can bet you I can promise you all next year when we're filing taxes, we're going to have to pay taxes on the stimulus money that we just got this year. We're going to have to report that as income next year and pay taxes on it. So the fact is, you and I will have to pay for this some way, somehow, at the end of the day. It may take years for us to pay for it, but regardless, we're going to have to pay for it. Now, I am of the mindset that this is one of those situations that, yes, we should be helping people out. We should be trying to pay for these things because people need that help. But it's a tick for tack. It's a balancing situation of trying to find there's there's a middle ground there somewhere there's a perfect equilibrium there somewhere and at the end of the day i feel more than anything else it's less about the government actually trying to open it up and it's the way that they're going about it it feels very aggressive it feels like they're not doing it because they're trying to help people they're doing it more just because it feels like it's all about the money it's all about the dollars at the end of the day and of course because of who our president is at, the, at this point in time a lot of the trust between the government and the people has eroded so a lot of people don't even trust them when they come out to say hey we're doing this for you guys we're trying to help a little bit people are just like why are you lying to us we know that ain't what you're actually trying to do we know that you only care about the bottom line we know that you only care about gdp we know that you only care about the stock market and so at that point people are just like we don't care what you say you don't care about our lives you don't care about if we survive this thing or not you just want to make sure that you get reelected. you just want to make sure that your pockets look good and so at that point when trust is eroded completely when there's no more trust between the government and the people, it doesn't matter what the government does. It doesn't matter if the government gave us $3,000 each or gave us $10,000 each. At the end of the day, we just don't trust trust the government anymore. And when that trust is gone, it's hard to get what you want done, done properly without everybody looking at you like, man, you just, you just want something else. But anyway, moving on from there, the other thing I was going to talk about is there was a study that was recently done that said unemployment rate is about to become a useless stat at least during this coronavirus period so that unemployment is about to become a useless stat and you're like what do you mean unemployment rate is about to become a useless stat basically in an article in courts it said that in january 2020 the unemployment rate was 3.6 percent from january to april about 20 million americans lost their jobs according to a new study and which that 20 million people that have lost their jobs basically wipes out all the job gains that we've had since our last recession period that was in 2009 when we had the housing market crash and all that stuff happened basically now at this point we've wiped out all those gains in jobs all those people that got jobs from then to now it took literally three months for all of those gains that happened over a 10-year period to get completely wiped out and so with that being said, they were doing a study and they said that uh, this suggests that about 8% of all people employed in January are now jobless. 
Now, here's the problem. Researchers projected that the unemployment in April, unemployment rate in April will be around 6%, just two percentage points jump from January. That doesn't make sense. If in January we had 8% people lose their jobs, how is it 6%? They said the problem is, the problem with using the unemployment rate formula at the moment is that only a small portion of the 20 million people who lost their job because of the crisis are looking for work. Basically, the way the unemployment is calculated is basically you report and you say, hey, I am unemployed. And they'll say, are you unemployed because you're looking for work? Or are you unemployed because you've been furloughed? Or are you unemployed because uh, and are you going to start looking for a new job or are you just going to wait? And a lot of people answer that question that they're going to wait for their old job to open back. So according to the study, many of the many of them are either waiting to return to their old job or delaying their search until the economy returns back to normal. You know, this whole coronavirus situation. As a result, the unemployment figure will not capture the scale of this job market calamity. The number of people who do not actually want work but are discouraged from look who actually want work but are discouraged from looking is exceptionally high at the moment, exasperated by the unemployment rate's biggest floor. They say that a better figure for monitoring the state of job market is the unemployment population rate. This is simply the number of employed people divided by the total population. The study finds that employment population ratio is likely to fall from 60% in January to 52% in April. In normal times, this is not the best number to look at. However, because of our current circumstance, this is the best way that we can actually look at this situation. And so they're just basically bringing out the fact that, hey, unemployment is going down fast, like, or rather is increasing very, very quickly. And using the regular stat that we usually use to look at these things, the unemployment number, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't do a, it doesn't do a good job. Now, the bigger issue with this, and we talked about it last week, the bigger issue is that a lot of those jobs that are lost are probably not going to come back. So the problem is because spending is going to evaporate. And this is a, an article I was reading from, from Investopedia. It said, one of the inevitable consequences of this global pandemic and the economic slowdown will be a massive cut in business spending. A lot of times when it comes to business spending and cutting, it's a lot of times it does with employment. Either they're letting people go or they're just deciding that they're not hiring people, which is guaranteed to prolong the recovery. Goldman Sachs is predicting a 33% drop drop in cash spending in 2020 by S&P 500 companies on average as firms prioritize liquidity. In other words, having cash in their reserves, Goldman predicts cash usage will decline to 1.8 trillion from 2.6 trillion last year, which means which means a big reduction in CapEx. CapEx it just means capital spending and R&D spending, research and development spending. Those are expected to fall by 27% and 9% respectively. They also say that buybacks and dividends will also decline sharply in 2020, falling by 50% for buybacks and 23% for dividends. Goldman predict, uh, predicts as it forecasts a 15% decline in first quarter earnings. Basically, what this is saying is businesses during this pandemic are going to look at things a whole lot differently. 
for a bit into the future, all they're going to be looking at is, do we have enough cash flow to make sure that our business doesn't go into bankruptcy, that we can survive? So last week we talked about banks putting a bunch more money into their savings, you know, into just having an emergency fund because that's what you're supposed to do so you can survive through one of these periods. And they're saying that that's going to be a theme that we're going to continue seeing. One of the things we're going to continue seeing is less companies are going to be spending less on capital and they're going to be spending less on R&D, which is two of the biggest reasons a lot of companies hire new workers, hire new people to do a lot of different types of research. They do a lot of different types of exploratory type of things where they're just like, hey, I think it would be a good idea if we try to do this or we try to do that and try to try to expand their business. Right now, a lot of businesses aren't looking to expand. They're looking to contract and save the ship. They're not looking to keep venturing out and exploring new waters. They're like, yo, we have this little boat. Let's make sure this boat doesn't sink so that tomorrow we can keep going forward. And when companies and businesses start doing that, it means less people get jobs. It means a lot of people lose their jobs. And it means that the 20 million people that we've been talking about, which that number is probably going to go up to about 30 million as of this week. Hopefully not. I pray it doesn't happen. I pray that we probably just stay around this 20 million number. But it means that a lot of those people might not be able to find the same jobs when all of this comes around, especially when businesses find out that, hey, we can we can operate on a leaner budget. We can operate with a leaner crew. Businesses, business is one of those things where it's like they try to cost, they try to cut costs as much as possible and make profits as much as possible. So that's just something to keep in mind. And that's the bigger issue when it comes to this thing. It's not just the fact that people are losing jobs. The bigger issue is that are people going to be able to get the same, their jobs back when we come back from this situation? My prayer is that we do, but the fact is, I just, it's not known what might happen, what might happen when everything starts coming back together. So that's just something to keep in mind. And you know what? I have a problem with, with, with the American business system. And I'm just going to rant for a second. So me as an individual, one of the things that I'm always talking about is have an emergency fund, have an emergency fund, have an emergency fund. You never know when things might happen. Have an emergency fund, have an emergency fund, have an but for some reason, businesses, especially big businesses, are not upheld to the same standards. Big businesses are not upheld to the same standards of most people will tell you, hey, what is the first three things you should do with your money? Pay off debt, uh, have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. That's like key. But it's so interesting that once this coronavirus situation happened, which then again, it's not something that businesses are built to kind of do. Businesses are not built to go three, four, five months without having some kind of income coming in. However, for a lot of businesses, they just didn't have anything to fall back on. And I'm not talking about small businesses. Small businesses, that's expected. You're small. You're just starting off. You're starting to figure out everything. That's 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 expected. But for big businesses, like large corporations, that the fact that immediately this situation happened, that you just kind of were done. Like a lot of these companies were just... We're just like, yo, we need help. We need help. We need help. It's like, yo, come on now. Like, I mean, yeah, you ask for help because of course you ain't going to turn down free money from the government. I just, that's just stupid business wise to turn that down. You're going to take that thing and you're going to use it for your benefit. However, I think that businesses should always have some kind of portfolio to fall back on. The reason why companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, are the companies that are doing really well right now is because of the amount of cash reserves. Then again, then again, those companies are like 
they're the outliers of companies everywhere because they make boatloads of money in so many different ways. So they're a little bit different. However, they have such massive cash reserves that a lot of investors last year were like, yo, y'all need to be spending this cash reserves that you have, invest that money into something or be doing some dividend pay and paybacks or something like that. And now a lot of investors are like, Ah, oh, thank God Apple really had that huge cash reserves. It's really saving us right now. It's making our investments good. So it's just interesting the different mindsets that can happen whenever things change. But anyway, I'm off my soapbox. I'm going to stop ranting about companies should also have an emergency fund or as they like to call it, a cash reserve to help them through these kind of situations, which then again, then again, you can never predict this kind of situation. They call them act of God for a reason. You can't predict what's going to happen. You can't predict this kind of situation. However, you shouldn't be able to at least last like a month. Like, come on. You should be able to last like a month before things start getting tight and all that good stuff. Which, let's be honest, a lot of these airlines probably had a lot of cash because of all the fees and all these things. Especially after 2001, after 9-11 happened, a lot of these airlines have a lot of cash reserves. However, they're not going to survive in the long term by just relying on their own cash reserves. They need the government to come in and help them out and all that good stuff. So anyway, I'm off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox. The other thing that we're going to talk about real quick before we get out of here is the fact that the small business loan program has run out of money. They ain't got no more cash for you. But the government was like, yo, 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 it's cool. It's cool. We got your back, small businesses. We got y'all's backs. We're going to give you another $300 billion. We got y'all's back. And that was as of today. Today, the Senate passes $448 billion coronavirus deal after weeks of deadlock. That's a title from a political article. But anyway, the agreement centers around providing $380 billion for small businesses and also includes a $75 billion for hospitals and $25 billion for disease testing. It comes after a brutal conflict. You know, you can never have a deal without both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party arguing over everything. They can't just say, hey, we need to get this thing done fast and get this money out to people because people are losing their jobs. People can't pay for their houses. People are losing their houses. Nah, they can't do that. They got to do that. They have to be arguments and all this other stuff going on every single time they have to come to agreement. But anyway, we thank God that they agreed to this thing and they're able to get this money out to small businesses who need the funds. Because in case you don't know about, I think the population is about 40% of the United States works for some kind of either small to medium sized businesses. So therefore, help these people out. They need that money. We need that money. They need to be able to do what they need to do to take care of their family and handle all the things that they need to be handling. But anyway, that's that. I also have, I have a question for y'all and I have a poll either if you're listening to this thing on Spotify or on any other podcast platform, which by the way, thank you for each and every single one of y'all who subscribe to this bad boy. There's a poll that's going to be down there in the, in the, in the show notes. But if you're watching this on YouTube, in the description, there's going to be a uh, survey monkey, not sponsored by the way. And it's just basically should big businesses, AKA really big restaurants, chain restaurants get access to the small business loans uh, or should it just be for businesses under 500 so one of the things that happened is a lot of these big bigger chain restaurants like shake shack and 
uh, Potbelly, and I forget what the other big one. There was a bunch that actually got some of the money. They got over like forty billion, forty million dollars. Ruth's Chris was another one that got this. Got like over. I think it was $300 million that was supposed to go to small businesses. And those companies have well over 500, uh, 500 plus employees. So there was a huge thing this week where people were talking about, should these companies be getting access to these funds or should they not be getting access to these funds? Should it only be for companies that have less than 500? So I want to ask you guys the same question. I'm going to put that poll down in the, in the description slash in the show, show notes. So check that out. Let me know what you think. Should big businesses or businesses that are worth over a hundred million dollars uh valuation wise and have multiple locations and multiple chains and all this other stuff that probably will have like a cash reserves of some sort should they get the same access to this money because it's kind of both ways because they also have employees that they want to keep on staff and keep paying and you know it's it's a tick for tat and i put that question there Check it out. Let me know what your opinion is on that. And then finally, I just have a small little take the task for small little things that I found interesting that I think y'all will find interesting. The first one is Netflix stock hits record high and is now worth more than Disney. Netflix, Netflix is one of the few companies actually thriving during the coronavirus because, you know, we all at home wearing our pajamas and watching TV while some of us work. And some of us are, you know, are just watching some Netflix. We're just Netflix and we're locked down and chilling. We're locked down, coronavirus and chilling. But anyway, Netflix is now worth $194 billion and has increased its market cap by over $50 billion. Disney haven't been hit very hard by coronavirus because, as you know, Disney has cruises, Disney has parks, Disney has movies. And so when it got hit, it lost a bunch of money. In other words, its market valuation went from $184 billion to being, uh, I mean, it went from $258 billion and is now worth about $184 billion. Now, the important thing to note is, as we've talked about before, market valuation doesn't mean that the company has that money. That is different from their actual income that the company is making. Is the valuation that is made based on how we feel that company is worth. So anyway, as is expected, Disney is losing money because coronavirus. They just actually laid off or furloughed about 100,000 employees. Was it 10,000 employees? Which kind of sucks. So it's very unfortunate. And they had been holding back on doing that since this whole thing has been started. So it's real unfortunate. The final one I got for y'all is this coronavirus ain't going sh- to shut down Travis Scott. Travis Scott is going on a world tour in Fortnite, <laughs> it's just pretty i just found this one pretty interesting travis thought we'll be doing a world tour in Fortnite. which if you don't know what Fortnite is wake up and join the 21st century it's a video game and Fortnite is using its platform to be able to aid people to be able to listen to travis travis scott perform inside the game he's doing it in multiple different locations and the, the access is free. So you just, you know, you just got to get in the server on time to be a part of Travis Scott's performance. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all learned one or two things as we talked about. First of all, we talked about opening up America again. 
why we added the, the again in there i don't really know but it's a thing that donald trump seems to really really like and we talked about the three phases that we have to go through to actually do it we talked about why that might be an issue mainly because the u.s is still not testing nearly enough however at some point we have to open back up and at some point we have to also consider the economic variables to us shutting down the economy now from there we talked about the fact that uh small businesses just don't have any more money because money has completely run out and so the government finally came together and passed another 484 billion dollars to try and aid during this whole coronavirus situation we talked about unemployment and why some people according to goldman sachs prediction might not get hired back on because companies might be a lot more cash strapped and may not be looking to spend on capital and spending on r d and then finally we talked about netflix being worth more than disney right now mainly because everybody is at home watching netflix even though some people are still watching disney plus which disney plus is a really good service it, it just had over 50 million uh subscribers so it's doing really well however disney has other things that play a factor into their valuation their cruises and their theme parks are a big part of who they are as a company and then finally we also have travis scott who will be going on a world tour at least virtually within Fortnite. but anyway that's all i got for y'all today i hope y'all got one maybe two things as i rambled on and on during this podcast i hope y'all enjoyed it if this is your first time on the podcast hit that subscribe button and you stayed this long or you know you want to hit that subscribe button hit it follow me on instagram at kelechi Iwaba. it'll be in the link below it'll be linked below whether in the description or in the show notes check that out and yeah follow me on instagram follow me on twitter follow me on all the things hit the boy up take the survey i put down below i really like to get some other people's perspective on that but it's been your boy kalichi god bless each and every single one of y'all and i'm out wash your daggone hands peace